I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 413 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have an awesome guest for you guys today. Roy Wood Jr. is a comedian, actor, producer, and writer. You know him from The Daily Show on Comedy Central. He is a hilarious stand-up comedian who has appeared on NBC's The Last Comic Standing back in 2010. He's been on all of the late-night talk shows, including The Late Show with David Letterman, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and Conan. He has performed for the troops on numerous USO tours in the Middle East and the Pacific Islands. I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. Roy Wood Jr. will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please... Stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Roy Wood Jr. was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the comedian and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and if you enjoyed today's episode, I highly recommend you go back and check out some of the other comedian dads that I've had the pleasure of speaking with here on the podcast, including Joel McHale, Brendan Schaub, Paul Shear, Josh Wolf, and several others. All of those interviews are available for you to listen to in the archives of the podcast at your convenience. All right, and make sure you check me out on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here on the podcast soon. If you guys are enjoying the show, please consider leaving me a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you enjoy listening to the podcast. It really goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with comedian Roy Wood Jr. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, did you put on a few pounds during the COVID-19 lockdowns? You're not alone. It's time to start eating healthy and eating right, and it's never been easier to do so with Eat Clean Bro. They make it simple to get quality food to your door. Check them out at eatcleanbro.com and look at their menu and choose from a selection of over 50 fresh, fully prepared, ready-to-eat meals. Order by 11.59 p.m. to receive your meals on the next available delivery day. Eat Clean Bro is a convenient service that is designed to bring chef-prepared meals right to your front door. They address the concerns of potential long-term health problems by removing processed foods, chemicals, and preservatives from your diet and preparing your meals fresh with all natural ingredients. So what are you dads waiting for out there? Start eating clean today. Visit eatcleanbro.com and use my promo code FATHERHOOD10. You're going to save 10% off your meals. Check them out. Eatcleanbro.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD10 and save 10% off your meals and eat clean bro uh, joining me now first class father roy wood jr welcome to first class fatherhood now am i automatically a first class father because i'm on the pod with you or is it like other qualifications how do i become like you know like like in sergeant father are there other rankings like nope, father it, first it, class is what i am right now f- first know. class is the top the bottom the middle and the whole bit here on the show once you get onto the show you made it to the rank of first class fatherhood oh then there we go all right well then salute <laughs> uh let's start right here roy how many kids do you have how old are they one he's four and he knows too much the internet 
Ah, man, the internet creates more questions than it answers. And so, you know, my son's at that age where he's inquisitive, but then each question, le- I'll give you a perfect example right here on my desk in my office. All right. So this is a collar stay, right? And he goes, well, what is that? I go, it's a collar stay. He goes, what does it do? I go, well, you put it in the collar of your shirt so that your collar lays down. And then he goes, well, what's a collar? And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Listen, man, go watch Paw Patrol. I don't. <laughs> it's the part of your shirt. Some shirts have a triangle at the top. Well, why do you have a triangle? I, I don't know, because that's how you show people that you knew how to read or that you went to college. You wear a shirt with a collar. <laughs> that's that's the only purpose of a collar is to show people that you're educated or to trick people into thinking you're educated. Yeah, it's some, you never find out how much you don't know until the four year old starts asking you questions and you're trying to sneak peeks at your phone to figure out oh, the answers. He's firing them off. He's firing them <laughs> off. He's obsessed with um with carnivorous plants right now. So we've been kind of going through that thing, you know, with looking at. Venus flytrap videos and pitcher plants and sundew plants and he's really into insects dying horrible deaths right now. That's his thing. Always fascinating for them. Are you going for any more here, Roy? Or are you all done? Um, I would like to be done. I I feel like I feel like my girlfriend wants another one, but I don't know, man. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. To, like I'm not gonna I'm I'm never gonna be one of these people that goes, Oh parenting and it's awesome all the time. No, it's not. There's days it's stressful. There's days you walk around the house at four in the morning staring at your children's sleep, wondering how am I going to pay for this? And that part of it I don't enjoy. Being away from him because of the type of job I have, I don't enjoy. So I don't know if I want to have that burden that emotional burden doubled you know you know i don't know um i but i also grew up an only child i have a lot of older siblings i have a lot of older half siblings but i grew up alone essentially so i don't feel that that need as much you know like we got to get more people in this house we got to expand the roster it's like no this is good three three people in this house feels good this feels this feels fine. <laughs> hey, Roy, if you could take a minute here, please, just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Uh, I'm a stand-up comic. I live in New York. I'm on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah right now. Uh, but, you know, 20 years in stand-up and radio, and, you know, I've done two-hour specials for Comedy Central. Uh, I hosted This Is Not Happening, which is a storytelling show. So, you know, prank phone call like i've i've just google me there, there's enough there to at least pay the bills <laughs> you know <laughs> i've kept the lights on for 20 years doing this which is you know better than many so i'm thankful yeah you've had an incredible career roy and so about how old were you then uh when, when you became a dad and how did becoming a dad really change your perspective on life uh i'm 41 now so what he was i'm 30 37 ish maybe no, I wasn't 36, so... Yeah, 37? Yeah, 37. Um, it made me focus more. I've gotten more done in the last five years living in New York than I did during my entire eight years of living in Los Angeles. I'd say I've done more in the last five years than I've done my whole career. 
you know, having a child is a way of really honing um, your job efficiency. Uh, and I think also there's a degree of wondering what type of world I'm leaving for him. So I'm definitely more cognizant of that, which, you know, definitely informed a lot of my choices and stories that I follow for the Daily Show and the types of stories that as a correspondent that I go out to cover. So, you know, that part of it, you know, is the thing. And I think what a lot of parents aren't um, what a lot of parents are, I think, taking for granted right now is that social media has essentially made us the first documentable groups of humans. So this concept of my son, like when you ask about your granddad, some some motherfucker in your family goes and gets a book from an addict. And there's like eight pictures of him. And that's it. And you have to figure out everything that he was and meant to your family through eight or nine photographs. And they're tattered. They're in black and white. They got all the weird spots from the from the fluid, the, the development fluid or whatever. That, so your kids, when you're dead, will find your Facebook. So they are going to be able to find and like in in my case they're going to be able to find podcasts i'm going to be dead one day and this podcast is still going to be up and my son can come and listen to it and hear my words and figure out hopefully you know something more about himself or how he should approach particular issues right so i just think that what we're doing now in the world you're essentially leaving breadcrumbs of your existence for your descendants to reassemble themselves with, you know? And so I think I'm, I try to be more cognizant of that. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm captain wokeity woke or that I'm always saying the righteous thing. I'm, you know, I crack a joke and say some weird wild shit (laughs) on Twitter. Sometimes hell I do it on stage, but if the question is how has it changed me, it's made me more cognizant of the breadcrumbs, you know, that I'm leaving behind. Yeah, very well said, Roy. And one of the things I say about just doing the show myself, if for nothing else, uh, when my kids, I got four kids myself, and when they hit those areas of becoming fathers and parents themselves, they'll have this kind of like treasure trove of conversations of me talking about fatherhood and all this stuff with so many different people. So, um, you know, I, I think it's awesome for that. The documentation of it, I think, is wonderful. But, of course, there's a double-edged sword to it as well. There's a lot of catastrophes that have been created just because of the social media. So oh, uh, I, th- I think that works both ways. What would you say, Roy, are the top values you're hoping to instill uh, in your son growing up? Uh, respecting women, understanding the value of hard work, and understanding the value in being kind to people, even people you don't know. My entire career is rooted in people who didn't owe me shit going the extra mile. I, all of my career is rooted in that time and time again. So be that blessing to someone else, you know? Um, and then also trust your instincts, not other people. You can talk to other people as a way to start figuring out what the puzzle pieces are of what you want to do. But in the bigger scheme of things in this world, I don't feel like you owe your life. Happiness is. 
happiness is a singular experience. You know, and I feel like we've been bred to believe that it's symbiotic. You know, that if you're with this person or you have this thing, you will be happy or happier. You are responsible for your own happiness. Your happiness starts with you. And you have to identify the things that make you happy and surround yourself with people and things that complement that ideology. You can't be unhappy and then be with someone and that person is the sole source of your happiness. If you, if they are the sole source of your happiness, then you have an inequity, you know, and I think that's something that I wish I'd have learned earlier. Uh, so, you know, we'll 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 get that. Well, that that'll be with the fourth or fifth son software update when he's somewhere <laughs> around, you know, middle school. For now, let's just work on talking about carnivorous plants <laughs> Yeah, and Roy, I think that ties right into what we were saying there with social media. I think what that's one of the things that it's done, especially for this younger generation that's growing up with it, is it kind of puts an emphasis on what's supposed to give them the happiness and what's supposed to give them where they're in this kind of like, um, you know, it's about likes and it's about views. It's about, uh, you know, right. the, the status and the image that you're putting out. And I think we've lost that uh, sense of, you know, like you just said there, we're responsible for our own happiness. And, and, uh, and that's the driving force for all of us. And then what I would say then, I know he's young yet, only four, but what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? Are you a spanker, timeout guy? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? Yeah, I grew up, I got, I got whippings. I didn't get many. My last one was the sixth grade though. My mom figured out real fast that Discipline is more effective if you take things away from me than punishment. Uh, punishment versus a whipping. Um, because I would always choose the whipping. And I think she got hip to that. Like, all right, so case in point. So in high school, if I was cutting up or acting bad, I'm not getting a whipping. She would just take my baseball glove because she knew that was the one thing I loved. I love baseball, still love baseball. And she knew if she took my glove, my coat, like you don't, you don't, if you don't practice the day before a game, you can't play in that game was our, was our coach's policy. And if you showed up to practice without your glove, you ran the entire practice because you didn't show up prepared to learn baseball. You showed up to do so. So I'm, so you ran. So the fear of having to run bases all day for three hours in the Alabama heat, that was enough. That was more effective than any whipping. Uh, with my boy, um, we don't spank, you know. We're going we're gonna to see what that does. You know, someone said a long time ago, well, not that long ago, someone on the Internet, um, you know, they said that, and I don't know who said it, so I'm sorry for not having an attribution to it, but. Um, you think you came out okay because you because your parents spanked you. You came out okay in spite of your parents spanking you. And that just stuck with me. And, you know, I my default would have been to be, you know, a harder disciplinarian because that's how I came up. And, and I feel like, well, that worked with me. I but that quote really, really helped put a lot of it into perspective for me. And even if I'm wrong, you can always start spanking <laughs> down the road. But you can't undo that if you're wrong, you know. So, you know, right now we're a little bit of time out. But what I've learned with my son is 
I don't know how to put it, public isolation. Like putting him in a corner doesn't bother him because he can go to his own happy place. In that regard, he's like me. He's a daydreamer. He's creative. He can find a little maze on the wall. I'll go and check on him in time out. He's just running his finger around a maze, pretending his finger is a race car. He's happy. And I go, okay, well, that's not working because there's no suffer. There's no comprehension that there has to be discomfort, in my opinion. So the way you discomfort him is to sit him down in the living room and not let him get off the couch. The fact that he can see fun happening around him and see people doing things around him. Infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. You know, we're trying to teach him the concept of sharing. Um, You know, and that's always been a tough one because. Today's episode is being brought to you by Manscaped. And dads, 2020 has been a year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing that you can control, and that is shaving that area that made you a dad in the first place. My sponsors over at Manscaped.com are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premier electric trimmer that is waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology, so you never have to worry about scratching those love spuds while you're giving yourself a smooth shave. The Lawnmower 3.0 is included in the Perfect Package 3.0, and for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you're going to get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. And let me tell you something right now, guys. The Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs are the best pair of drawers I've ever put on. So what are you waiting for? Visit Manscaped.com. Use my promo code FATHER. You're going to save 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's 20% off your order plus get free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code FATHER and get rid of those short hairs in your short pants today. Infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. You know, we were trying to teach him the concept of sharing. Um, You know, and that's always been a tough one because there's not another sibling in the house for him to fight with. So I play with him. And then sometimes I will go, no, this is the car I want to play with. And he'll try to be bossy and go, no, you get the green car. And I go, no, I want the orange car. But I want you to have the green car. I don't want the green car. <laughs> you have a red car. Worry about your car and let me choose the car. I want, I want a green car. All right, man, go sit on the couch. And then you go sit on the couch. And then I start playing with your fucking red car. <laughs> now he's miserable. Now he's, oh my God. But within that, we've learned over the, you know, the last year or so that it has helped him calm himself and learn how to take deep breaths and not default to anger. You know, you integrate in a little Daniel the Tiger, you know, Daniel the Tiger is probably the best program out there with regards to how to control emotions and understanding what your emotions are. Uh, so, you know, we'll rewatch a couple of episodes of that, you know, if need be. Yeah, we used to have like, you don't see as many of those programs. Like when I was a kid, it was the Mr. Rogers that was very popular that always had those uh, things that would tell kids how to deal with emotions. And they explain like all these different things. You don't see too many of those programs like that uh, geared anymore. A lot of it is more of the, um, you know, Disney Channel type of stuff that game like the Paw Patrol, like you said before there. Yeah, uh, I mean, Bubble Guppies is good for analysis. Blaze is good for some choice making. But like 
the intrinsic behavior, behavioral development, there's not a lot of programs out there for that. And I really feel like uh, Daniel Tiger is probably one of the best that really captures, you know. The, also, the interesting thing about Daniel Tiger, it's one of the few cartoons where the main character gets disciplined by an authority figure. And I think it's important for my son to see that, to understand that there are consequences. When you kick over her blocks, yeah, bro, you got to go sit down for a second and we're going to have a conversation about this, you know, and figure that out. But, you know, I I do know that because I'm raising, if I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm also raising a black male in this country and not everyone's going to see him as a black boy. Somebody eventually one day will see him as a male before it is time and his temper and his ability to control it could be the difference between coming home or going to a funeral home. And that really sits in the back of my mind. So the thing that I've always tried to work with him on is controlling just the anger and the outbursts. Because you catch the wrong school teacher, come second or third grade, now they're trying to suspend you. You know, a lot of these schools don't have the patience for kids and a lot of teachers just don't have the bandwidth this the class ratio is fucking 40 to 1 in some of these classrooms you know so it can get out of hand so i just want to make sure that understanding how to harness his emotions because here's the thing anger is a useful emotion everybody acts like anger is this scourge in a way no you don't make this. What I try to tell them is that you don't make decisions angry. You can execute while you're angry and let that drive you. You know, let anger and the desire to never feel that way again drive you, you know, into doing something that's focused. You know, almost, you know, revenge is a cousin of anger, you know. You know, being able to get back at someone or prove them wrong, you know, let the anger drive that. But you have to think clearly. It, it's like when he tries to put on his shirt and he has a shit fit because one sleeve is inside out, but he hasn't slowed down to take the time to assess the problem and then figure out the solution. And then so it's about teaching them how to slow that down. And that's one of the things that you have to be. um That's one of the things that I feel like I have to be cognizant of as a parent and helping him with because there's not a lot of materials for that. They're not going to teach him that at school. You know, school teachers aren't going to slow down to teach emotion. They teach conflict resolution, but the base level, why are you going ape shit crazy because you accidentally broke your crayon? They don't have the time. You know, they're just going to give him another crayon. But what he needs to understand is that the way he acted over the crayon, that wasn't OK. And there's another way, you know, through that stuff. So, you know, yeah, I've heard the analogy put to like you can't see your reflection in boiling water. You know, you have to wait till the water stops boiling and then you can see your refre- reflection clear in the water. So it's like something like that yeah. with the analogy of not making those decisions while you're angry. And I think that, you know, obviously that each child is different. Like I said, I have four and each one of them, they got to be. Uh, disciplined and they got to be uh, handled in different manners because they all have a different way to get their um, their attention and get them learning and all that stuff. So it's a learning process all the way around. And and getting into what you do here, Roy, uh, you know, right now I know the game has changed a lot from when you started into the comedy business. 
uh, the, the way everyone is consuming content has drastically changed. What kind of advice do you have out there for parents that have kids right now that are interested in pursuing a uh, comedy career for themselves? I mean, if your kids are interested in entertainment, just make sure that you're keeping them connected to children that aren't in entertainment. Uh, you know, my son really isn't in front of camera that much. He does a little cameo here and there and goofy web videos. And he's popped in with me on the Daily Show in the background, you know, just being silly. It's quarantine. Why not? But, you know, I was never a stage child. I didn't get into entertainment until I was 19. I didn't even see a television camera until my you know early 20s. So, you know, if you have a child and you think they're funny, I will say definitely encourage it and facilitate it. You know, introduce them to different types of stand up. I st everything that I discovered about comedy, I stumbled across. No one showed me that. No one even took that as a path. But I'm also f the child of two educators, both with multiple degrees. So, you know, comedy to a degree as an art form is seen as something a little inferior. It's not singing. It's not dancing. It's not the piano. It's never considered regal, yet it's the most essential of all of the performance, you know, disciplines, in my opinion, um, because it's the sphere of change and conversation and critical thought and analysis of society. You know, I will put music in that realm as well. You know, theater, you know, depending on the play can be an honest critique of society and what we are. But um, if you have a kid, you know, watch funny stuff with them, you know, like that's. My son loves a microphone and it's nothing that I drove him to. It's nothing that I made him do. Like he will if right now, if he were in this room with me right now, as soon as I get off, he would immediately go. Uh, is it my turn to talk into the microphone? And then he would try to entertain. He would try to interview me and he would just ask me what my favorite color is and stuff like that. But he would try. And so. That becomes something, you know, worth encouraging. It's just whatever he encourages, just lean into it. And that's what I do. Yeah, and you know what's really cool is that we have these kind of tools, all of us now. Like, I remember when we were kids, you know, we had that one family video camera that looked like my father was working for NBC. You know, <laughs> it up on a, you know now we have access to all these tools where my kids, they can take the phone, they make their videos, they do all this kind of, they learn editing, they learn all these different skills, and they have access to all these tools that we never did. So I think that part of it uh, will help create uh, a, a lot of different styles of entertainment as we move forward here for sure and yeah, i know i'm you're just getting... leery about teaching them about like i don't put them in front of camera like i've had opportunities where i could goof off and put them on a green screen and show them in space and all of that <laughs> i just don't want to expose them to any of that yet until he sees everything else so because when you're creating art as an artist you are a reporter on the world and so you need to experience the world. So learn the piano, take a karate class, go do soccer, go do all that other shit. And if you still like goofing off in, with this camera, OK, it'll be here and, you know, I'll teach it to you. But it's nothing I'm going to force on him and nothing I'm going to you know, make him take part in. You know, if anything, I'll have him help me set up a tripod or, you know, twist the knobs to adjust a light stand just so, you know, it's it's father son interacting. But. You know, I, it's never anything that I'm going to, you know, force on him. I just think whatever your kids are showing the interest in, just lean into that. And then if they move to something else, lean into that, too. And that's what my mother did. And I just never had the guts to say that I 
thought stand-up comedy was fun because I thought it would get shot down. But in hindsight, I know my mom would have just driven me to an open mic at 15, 16 years old. Yeah, good stuff, Roy. Yeah, and some of the stuff is very bizarre for me. Like some of my, my younger kids will watch YouTube where there's just a kid opening up a box toy or just uh, watching somebody else playing a video game. And it's like they got 10 million views right. on the thing, 100 million subscribers, Rich. and it's nuts. Rich. It's crazy, yeah, and ju- <laughs> just for some silly stuff. So you never know. I mean, that's why uh, I, you know, you try to reinforce what they're interested in because you never know where it could lead. And getting back right. to you now, you're getting back on the stage. I know this may come out right after your appearance here at the Stress Factory, but um, what is it like for you? How do you anticipate? Is this going to be your first performance, getting back onto the stage since the coronavirus broke? And what other kind of appearances you got coming up? No, I haven't been on stage since February 29th. Um, I figured I would do a week of shows just in the tri-state area just to see, you know, I'm going to go up to Connecticut as well. You know, I'm going to, you know, bounce back to Jersey. I might do something in Brooklyn and it's fun to get back on stage, but I'm also, you know, very leery of this, you know, none of this shit worth, ain't no joke worth dying to go tell, but (laughs) you know, the numbers have been down. In the tri-state, more importantly, the numbers have been down at within our comedy community, and there haven't been fault, you know, any positives or false positives or no incidents at any of the venues over the last two months that I'm choosing to play. So, in that regard, I feel a little more comfortable in tiptoeing out. But it's just all gonna sh- it's gonna it's gonna be freezing cold in a month, and it's just gonna be one big well, what the hell are we doing? Why did I, you know, so. You know, eventually, I know I'm going to have to um, figure out what the indoor plan will be. But I've enjoyed having this time off the road all summer and being able to just, you know, write and reflect, you know, on a lot of things. So that's what I've been focusing on. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, for for me, I, I've loved the opportunity to spend so much more time with my family. I know that's been like a silver lining in so much of this being a chance to have everybody home and spend more time and do things. And, and like you said, open the door to give you opportunity to write and things that you always put off because you say you never have time. So there's been some silver lining uh, in all this. Correct. And uh, l- last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Roy, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Uh uh be kind to your wife girlfriend son's mother whatever um check on her needs um the happier and more comfortable she is the better partner you have to do this with so support her in any way you can and it ultimately is going to be good for your child yeah, very well said. I love the message. Uh, I say you are a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few well, minutes of your time you. here on First Class Fatherhood. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Roy Wood Jr. for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Make sure you lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, to find out the next dads that will be joining me here on the podcast. I've really been working hard to bring you guys the best guests possible. I can't say thank you enough for all of your support. You listeners out there are really what makes this show go around and keeps me going here. 
Uh, so that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.